seekers, explorers, and renegades out there, welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. As we explore coping mechanisms in, within ourselves, they are gateways to discovering the path to what we need to heal within ourselves in terms of our core, tr- uh, core wounding or trauma uh, from our childhood. It's very much a similar way that triggers can behave and open up that gateway for us to go on a on a journey of discovery if you like so let's explore the different types of uh, coping mechanisms that exist out there and how we can go about discovering these within ourselves and how we can use them to uh, in our own growth and involvement um, in this episode also you will find that we go off topic quite a lot but uh, it uh, always serves a purpose to uh, uh, for whatever reason it is so um, enjoy it for what it is so let's dive in and discover coping mechanisms enjoy denial perhaps is a necessary uh, necessary human mechanism to cope with the heart aches of life and this comes from uh, richard paul evans book the christmas box um, so if we look at that in terms of uh, coping mechanisms, that is exactly what we do. We end up denying our own experiences in order to cope with them. So many of you will have heard me say before, and I know it is triggering for some people, and uh, <laughs> I'll be happy to uh, expand on it, but that, you know, in life, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. So the when we experience emotions they are oftentimes painful if we are deeply in love with someone that can hurt in itself it is a beautiful emotion but it can even like deep love can hurt right so when we are in that position when we're experiencing Uh, strong emotions and they're being painful it is our perception of them that causes us to suffer Uh, and um, that is simply a fact of life that we do experience pain and that it's our how we deal with that pain and how we perceive it that is how we are going to experience it so when we look at coping mechanisms we it is that denying ourselves or denying the experience. That is at least the traditional uh, view of coping mechanisms. Now, coping mechanisms uh, are divided into kind of two categories. Uh, We have adaptive or maladaptive. So adaptive coping mechanisms are those that are helping you deal with the, uh, the pain in a... Uh, in, a, in a way that is going to benefit you. Maladaptive uh, tend to just exasperate the pain and, uh, or not the pain itself, it, it kind of just uh, covers it over and then uh, it creates a problem on the other end. And we'll go into that in a minute. But basically, when we look at a definition of coping mechanisms, it They are strategies to deal with stress and or trauma to help manage painful or difficult emotions and to maintain an emotional equilibrium. From my perspective, anyway, the purpose of being human is to experience ourselves 
in uh, relation, or we are using our external world as a way to experience ourselves. So whatever causes us pain from the outside, we are, that is happening so that we can experience that within ourselves. To maintain that emotional equilibrium doesn't mean that we avoid experiencing the, the emotion. And this is something I talk to my clients about all the time is that the emotion is not something you can control it is there to communicate something to you. So it is imperative that we do experience our emotions and our feelings and that we allow them to uh, kind of go through our body and communicate what they're there to communicate to us. So emotions are, you know, our mental, physical, emotional, energetic, soul and astral bodies way of communicating something to us. And oftentimes it is to communicate something that is uh, deep within, or it could be something that is remains unhealed. So if we have, uh, we talked last week about disappointment, for example. So we have the emotion of disappointment come up, then that is telling us possibly that we have experienced something previously in our life that is part of our core wounding that is uh, related to disappointment. So for me, as I explained last week, uh, or expressed last week, uh, you know, disappointment was was for me where my people that I was supposed to be able to trust and that was supposed to be there to protect me uh, didn't fulfill my expectations. So that's when I started that journey with disappointment. Now that's, of course, when you're two and a half years old, three years old, it's a little difficult to understand that, or to sit down and say, well, you know, here I'm probably attaching to the, my expectations of the outcome and I should take a mindful view of this. You don't do that as a, a toddler or <laughs> a child. So we end up in these uh, maladaptive, process relating to uh, in this case uh, the uh, disappointment um, so that led to me certainly having a, a bit of a wild teenage experience uh, smoking and partying and uh, doing all sorts um, so that is then those reactions become the coping mechanisms so that is me trying to avoid uh, my uh, own or dealing with my own emotions, dealing with my own experiences. And by uh, the only way I, you know, at, at that level or that stage, the only tools I knew were to, you know, hide, hide from it, run away from it. Right. And when you, uh, anyone who's ever smoked or used to uh, nicotine or tobacco know that, Oftentimes, if you get anxious or stressed out, you immediately go to the, take out cigarettes and smoke, right? And it, it's a way to calm your nervous system. It's a way to, it's a signal that to your, your brain that, okay, we're, we're hiding it. We're not dealing with this. And unfortunately, the, the, the challenge is that we are told from a very young age, often, 
in most cases anyway, that we should that emotions are dangerous and they are there to be avoided and that we shouldn't deal with them because we're telling our children to stop crying, we're telling them to pucker up or you know stiff up a lip or you know don't be so sensitive. So we're telling our children to not uh, work with their emotions and allowing our emotions to do their job, right? So we're just pushing them down and hiding them somewhere in the body, right? Now they're sitting there and they are kind of poking you or they're causing discomfort within your body. Now that discomfort is difficult for us to relate to the original experience or in psychology they call it the original sensitizing event it's only when we sit down and we start reflecting on ourselves and we start really seeking to understand where these uh, kind of situation where what situations they come from uh, so when we don't understand them we seek to just alleviate the pain as it were and that then becomes the coping mechanism so if we're looking at the maladaptive coping mechanisms uh, they could be you know escape self-soothing numbing uh, risk-taking uh, self-harming apathy uh, what else do we have? Uh, com uh, compulsions. So oftentimes, you know, people end up in drug abuse, alcoholism, nicotine uh, addictions. Those are the typical ones, right? But now also look at something like if you're supposed to deal with your say, tax return, for example. But every time you sit down to do it, you feel that anxious feeling and you go and do the dishes instead. Now that becomes a coping mechanism. Now you're replacing something that you don't like doing with something else you perhaps don't like doing, right? Um, but it is, uh, we're using that as the escape to avoid doing something that we, we are triggered by. Um, so if we're looking at the adaptive, for example, it may be that we're seeking out support. We use relaxation. We seek out problem-solving uh, humor uh, in certain ways. We can, you know, humor is one of those things that if we're using self-deprecating humor, uh, to a certain degree, that can be maladaptive because we are, depending on how serious our subconscious takes that level of humor, uh, we might be actually uh, just talking down on ourselves or doing negative self-talk in a humorous way. So we might have that hurt within ourselves, but the exterior is using that humor as a, a, a shielding mechanism. And then that becomes a coping mechanism because your exterior is not congruent with your interior, right? Um, and also physical activity again if you're using it as a an escape and i think that is one of the keys here, if you're using something as an escape to avoid experiencing your emotions 
then that is a coping mechanism or a maladaptive coping mechanism. I don't know if this is directly related to uh, <clears throat> what you're saying, but I don't, are you familiar with Mel Robbins? Mel Robbins? No, I'm not sure. Okay, well, she has this really amazing technique and um, it's called the five, four, three, two, one. Right. But I kind of um, changed it a little bit. Right. And, um, and when you get to, so say for example, like you said, if you have to go do your taxes, right? Mm -hmm. And you know that you don't want to do it, right? So instead of giving yourself a long enough time to talk yourself out of it, you just count down five, four, three, two. Oh, I, I hope I didn't flick you off. <laughs> One. And then you just like, you snap yourself out of it. And you just go do it. You don't give yourself enough time right. to snap out of it. And so what I did is I added this little twist on it and I'd love to meet her one day to thank her for this. But uh, when you get to the one part, instead of saying one, you go like, for example, if I was in a place and I wasn't having a great time, I was at a party and there was too many uh, people in the, the matrix and not in their vortex, you know? But I, if it was bothering me, I could go like five, four, three, two, fun. You know, mm -hmm. fun, I'm going to a fun place or I'm going to the vortex or, you know, like the one instead you use, you're going to somewhere. So don't just stop. You need a momentum. You need to reprogram and you also need to go to into a great place. Mm -hmm. So instead of allowing yourself to give yourself enough time because I was observing that I was cleaning when I should have been doing something else. I started, I'm very, very introspective. And so I, um, and I'm very much in tune with, my spirit and my body and knowing when I'm distracted or just things of, it's not really distractions. It's that uh, there's somewhere along the way in our childhood that someone has told us that we can't do something or that we're not. Mm -hmm. So sometimes uh, that feeling is governing uh, our actions in, 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 a, in a dial, in like in the background, we don't even realize Absolutely. that's like play or whatever. So it sits yeah. in your subconscious. It's uh, yeah, what yeah. causes you to co create your patterns and your habits. Yes. And sometimes even when you know you need to save yourself, you could get stuck in a cocoon. Like it, you could just not move mm -hmm. forward. It could almost be too much because it might trigger something from your past and not allow you to move forward. Or maybe, you know, in your heart, you have everything that it takes instilled in you from the seed when you come here, but you've allowed so many people to, because you're different, most people are judging you and telling you that you're less than or lacking or they don't understand. Uh, you come with futuristic ideas and they shut them down and then you see them all over the world making millions of dollars, you know? So it's like, it's up to you to stop looking to the left or the right you have to look inside the kingdom of heaven spirit is inside of us. And once we go inside and we settle and we're quiet, then we can truly hear. We can hear the direction. We can hear everything we're supposed to do. And so that five, four, three, two fun or five, four, three, two love or five, four, three, two vortex, you know, it's like, okay, we've snapping ourselves quickly enough to not get to 17 seconds to get to that to where you know you're getting it in your mind you got to stay in in your mammalian brain i mean excuse me in your uh, uh frontal cortex 
with all of the tools from your reptilian and mammalian brain, you have to combine them all and be within spirit and project from love. And then therefore, you are more able to execute things. When you love yourself fully, you want to go do your taxes. You want to clean up. You want to go and speak where you need to go. You want to be kind. You want to know when you need to take your empath energy and go home. And you don't afraid to say no with love mm -hmm. because setting the boundary is, is respecting yourself. And as an empath, we can always be yes, yes, and giving, 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 and not replenishing. So you got to go back and be with the nature and recharge. And the, the more you do that, the 5432 fun is going to be easy to uh, snap into because your spirit already knows, hey, oh, this is another great thing Mel said. And then I'm going to shut up. Let me not shut up. That's no. all right. Go ahead, Nicole. Okay. So, uh, so she says that like when you, for example, when you're going somewhere and you have to do a speech, right? Like, oh, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. Even when I was a child, I used to work with my grandmother. So um, I get these butterflies in my stomach when I'm off to a new adventure. I understand what it's like. Even as many times as I've sold my jewelry before thousands of crowds, I get butterflies, you know? Um, it's exciting, but some like the, the road trip is exciting, but the butterflies before a big crowd is overwhelming sometimes. So mm -hmm. we have to learn how to turn, to just let our reptilian mammalian brain understand that that is not a fight or flight, that's excitement. So, you know, we're still gonna produce the same chemicals but we have to say, we're at the amusement park. We're about to get on this amazing roller coaster. It's going to be a fun. We're going on, what is it, that love roller coaster? Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is confirmation. I get all these, like, you know, the bells of enlightenment, you know? They'll even come from other people's phones and everywhere. I used to be like, shut up. I'm not going to hear bells all the time. But then I realized when I look back at my life, all the bells and bells, and you know, like, it's just... It's all inside of us, and that's it. So if you could get to your 5432 fun place, or 5432 work or 5432, you know, work is fun when you love what you do. So it can always mm -hmm. be 5432 fun, no matter what it is, honestly, because I love every aspect of my life, you know? And Fantastic. the quicker we can snap out of that BS and snap mm -hmm. into the fun or snap into the happiness and just realign in a vortex, then you'll start to see that that spirit, God, whoever that is for you, he's speaking to us all the time. He's leading us, he's guiding us, and he doesn't want us to be sad. These are opportunities for us to be our best. They're not punishments. They're not tests. They're opportunities because when you put a tea bag in water, you don't know how much tea can come out until it seeps. And then you find out how strong you really are. Okay, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And yeah, there's a couple of things that I'd uh, like to add and uh, clarify, if you don't mind. Thank so, you, please. I'm looking for a direction. Thank you. Yeah. So when we're looking at uh, these kind of tools that we use, tools and practices uh, in order to work with our emotions. So one, one practice that I am a big proponent of is to observe yourself from observe your own experiences from your awareness. So, for example, using that technique of uh, five, three, four, uh, uh, five, four, three, two, one, or fun, um, you know, that is a way to snap yourself out of your head, to get out of your head and get into your heart space to observe your emotions. So uh, if you use that kind of a technique to uh, avoid dealing with the emotion that comes up, 
then you're using it as a maladaptive uh, coping mechanism. But if you're using it as a way to snap out of your head and go into your heart space where you can observe your feeling. And so mm -hmm. say we take the example of the taxes, for example, where you uh, are sitting there and you go, oh, I, no, actually, I need to go and do the dishes. And you do that technique, right? But you go in, you do that technique, but when you have snapped yourself out of it, you're sitting back down and you go, okay, why am I feeling so challenged and triggered by doing my taxes? So that you go into that and you ask the question, if you just go five, four, three, two, one, fun, or taxes, <laughs> then you're avoiding, you're just getting on with the task at hand, right? You're not dealing with the emotion that comes up, right? Well, what I do when I snap into that moment is I sense and see, like if a, a Reiki technique almost, if there's some pain somewhere mm -hmm. in my body, like sometimes my knees bother me or my hip or just, you know, like, you know, or like I've noticed in my feet, like I'll just get an itch or a twinge, you know, sometimes I'll go and look up the ancient Chinese, like medicines, what it relates to. Like I noticed in my elbow, my elbow would bother me right here a lot during COVID. And finally, I was like, what the hell? I know I don't have gout. What is going on? It's because I wasn't fulfilling my truth. Mm -hmm. My full, because I've been an entrepreneur for my whole life. And then COVID stopped me. And I was trying to figure out how to get out of this rat chick, uh, mm -hmm. trap or whatever, or this hamster wheel. And so just even starting to write my book, my, my elbow feels fine. I'm wonderful. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just, um, there's so many things. I've learned how to do within myself. I just didn't, that's why I'm writing a book to try to help others. Like yeah. it is, what you're saying is definitely important. I listen to my body yeah. and emotions are not negative or positive. They yeah. are just indicators. They allowed us to be in touch with ourselves. Mm -hmm. So if it doesn't feel what quote unquote, we call good, if it doesn't feel like something we like, we need to understand the root of it yeah. and go within that. And, you know, maybe it'll be tied to a memory. I, um, went through a lot of meditation to where I used to think that I couldn't remember my past. And I thought I had just smoked a lot of marijuana. And I was like, I'm just a hippie, it's just whatever. I lived a great life, whatever. And when I really started getting in touch with myself, one night I felt this current pull on my brain right here. I didn't know it was mammalian brain yet. I just felt it was like a direct like pull, like a zapping. And so much spiritual things happened to me. I just have to learn how to be still because it's like, it could be scary sometimes if you're not centered, but I know God would never let anything bad happen to me. You know, I know he's got my back. You know, he's my guard dog. He's my godfather. You know what I'm saying? So I just, I felt this pull in here, this hard pull. And then all of a sudden, right after that, all my memories come back to me. They made me understand my shadow. Why even the most darkest things that happened to me were beautiful and made me the most amazingly dynamic woman that I am. And I got sent here on this planet to learn those lessons, to even understand when I found out the power that I have could do negative to people. The second I did, I said, no, I don't want that life. And, the, and, I, and I went to the light because I didn't know, you know, and the more that you go into the light, the more that you show God your truth, the more blessings he'll bestow upon, he'll give you more, he'll give you more. Now I'm not saying for what happens on the other side, you can use your energy equally for positive or negative it's what you're doing with it but I choose to be a conduit of good and love and so uh with that I've worked so much on myself that I just want to help other people with these same tools um but yeah definitely being in touch with the emotion once we start stop seeing it as a 
a negative experience mm -hmm. and just sitting with it and seeing the blessing and the understanding and the blossoming, the layers like the onion to unfold um, to the true bud, the true seed, the true source, um, the light, our inner light, our, our, our wisdom, then um, the bell of enlightenment. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I think the uh, in that too, it's, you know, as we, as we say, just being with the emotion and uh, not judging it, just allowing it to be within you, to communicate with you so that, and uh, I, I'm definitely a proponent of um, just going with your own experiences. Yes, I mean, there are books and there are teachings to, out there for us to gain knowledge from, but I always like to start with asking myself, what does this mean to me? So, for example, when we do psychometry and stuff, when you're learning that uh, kind of dictionary of your energies, com uh, com what it, how it communicates with you, it's all based on your experiences and your experiences are unique to you. Um, then, you know, color red is going to mean something entirely different to five different people. So right. it's being able to go in and communicate with your body. So when that emotion comes up, when that disappointment comes up, you can ask it, where do you come from? When did I experience this emotion the first time? That's right? good. So you're okay. not judging it. You're just allowing it. And you're not, you're not trying to shift into something that is, uh, you know, placating positivity just but just to feel better because that would be a coping mechanism right well, it's, thing, it's shifting okay. into a state where you are allowing yourself to just neutrally observe the emotion as it comes up without uh, ex attaching to it or allowing it to uh, uh, you don't judge it good or bad as you were saying then nicole um one thing that come up came up to me when you were speaking um being that I'm an empath from a, a child, I got told you're being too emotional. You're being too emotional, right? Yeah. So we get our emotions shoved down inside so much that mm -hmm. we almost don't feel like our feelings are valid. Sometimes we allow people to abuse us because we've been told we're being too emotional. So if we feel it's something we don't like, we're like, oh, we're just being too emotional, right? Mm -hmm. But um, now what I have done, um, and I've had so, I don't even hardly have tears anymore. And when they are their tears of joy is because I went through this thing for like two months where like when I was healing my shadow, my mom didn't understand. She's like, why do you bring these things up every day? But it was like, I had to just cry. And it was like, at first I used to be embarrassed to cry in front of people. I used to hide my emotions, you know, like, and um, eventually once I started just being with that time and crying until I was done, then that trauma was left me mm -hmm. for real. It's gone for real when you actually acknowledge it. Well, you heal it. And you, yeah, you're actually healing it, uh, yeah. you know, because, uh, and even look in the way there was a little bug and I'm wiping it away. Like even in the, what I'm saying, the universe is working with me to clear this up. And it, even through me energetically unknowing, but knowing at the same time, you understand, like, it's just such a beautiful, like. Yeah, and uh, that's the whole point is once you've healed it, so. You know, once you heal the aspect of you that is triggering you, then you won't have to experience that trigger again. And so for me, 
you know, I smoked cigarettes from the time I was 12 years old until uh, 2012. And then I started to use um, uh, what they called uh, uh, vaping instead. And then I kind of uh, uh, methodically got off that and then started with the nicotine chewing gums and then chewing. So, but that was also during the period where I started to become much more in tune with myself. And I've tried to quit in smoking for so many years, but I was never dealing with the core issue to why I was using nicotine as a coping mechanism. It was only when I started working on the core wounding and the core uh, core reason to why I was using smoking as a coping mechanism that I was able to say, you know what, I don't need nicotine anymore because I healed that aspect of me that I was using the coping mechanism for. So it's once you heal that aspect of yourself that is triggering you and you have that emotion coming up, that emotion doesn't have to come up from that place anymore because now you've healed that. You can experience that emotion again, but it can come from a different place and it can be far easier. You can release it much easier because now you're not attached to the source of it or the outcome of it, right? So sadness can still come up, but it has a much lighter feel to it. It's not so heavy because it's not attached to and grounded in uh, your core wounding, right? So now that sadness, when you uh, and of course when you're working on yourself and you're being more self-aware then you release that much easier right you know what because of what you said i just found out why i ever started smoking marijuana right that was amazing that was amazing and it turns into something else but yeah. the first i wanted to be cool i wanted to be cool with my friends yeah. I want to fit in. I've always been so different. Right. I've, you know, just always been so different. I just mm -hmm. wanted to fit in. <laughs> yeah. No. And why, <laughs> if you look at that, why do we need to, why do we have need to fit in? Right. It's because we need to feel protected. We need to be part of the tribe. We need to be part of the community. Right. And it's, if we feel outside of that, then our, we feel that our life is going to be in danger and that we are, uh, we're going to be at risk, right? So I'm going to pick up this, this coping mechanism to fit in, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's absolutely, and that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, Nicole. I appreciate that. Thank and, you. Uh, well, I didn't even like it the first time. I got a cough for six months. I didn't like it at all. And then um, I was I was dating this guy, and the guy would not smoke weed with my friend unless I would smoke the marijuana. And uh, I mean, I still love it. I'm not going to say I don't, but I'm just like. And so in that in that time, I said, "Fine, girl, I'll smoke it." This is my best friend at the time. I smoked the weed with her. Just, just so he could just, I smoked the weed with him so she, that he would share with her. Mm -hmm. That is really trying to fit in, right? To please yeah. her, to please him, to please everybody. Mm -hmm. I I compromised myself in that moment. Yeah. Even the first time I tried to smoke, I was trying to have friends. Yeah. You know, like the, I remember the first group of people I was with and 
Wow, that is so deep. That is so deep. You're amazing, dude. <laughs> awesome, Nicole. Awesome. Wonderful, you. wonderful. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's the beauty of these conversations because we, we go somewhere where we don't expect to. And I'm, I'm uh, grateful that you, uh, you, you discovered that, Nicole. That's beautiful. You're Thank beautiful. You. Yeah. <laughs> well, can I tell you one more thing before? Yep. Um, so I never smoked cigarettes. I don't like them. I tried them. I couldn't stand them, right? Mm-hmm. But yesterday when I was on my way home, I, I wanted to go get my Fonto leaf, right? But my spirit said, go get your cigarettes. And I said, I don't smoke cigarettes. What are you talking about? And you have the Nike swish on, which is just do it. And there's so much spirit. I tried to get on the other pot. This is what always happens. I tried to get on the other one and I couldn't get on it. And so yours come up and the pyramid was there. It's like, everything is like, I said cigarette because it's not about, it's because I was supposed to recognize you in this moment. Right. Cause you're, you, and this is what I'm saying to you guys. This is how God spirit works through you. God set these, all of these little breadcrumbs for me. And he is the reason he gave me a powerful tool in this moment. I don't, my ancestors said cigarettes or spirit, you know, I don't use that word. When you listen to words, if you use ancient words or words you don't use, that's your spirit guides. So you got to start being more attuned to things that's not in your direct vocabulary, because those are, that spirit, that's the connection that's leading you and that's guiding you. Um, okay. I think I'm done with that, but I just wanted to share because that's yeah. like, no, no, I appreciate, I appreciate and acknowledge your experience. I think it's beautiful. Now we got Tatiana coming in. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole. I really like Nicole. Your all we, well, you what you have said. You said something at the beginning about living in five D, and this is something that happens to me too. So I have the impression that I'm living in four D, and most of the people are living in three D. So I can see things that probably someone will miss, but I can I won't see the stop sign on the road. So there is a balance because sometimes I'm in 4D or 5D mood and I don't see the stop sign. What everybody's seeing, I'm, I miss it. So it's okay to be different. And it's okay, but um, just one thing I want to say, save that thought. The more you pulling yourself with the vortex, you have to keep reminding yourself, pull your energy back in constantly. Every time you're looking around, you're giving your energy to something else. You have to call your energy back in like a circle inside. Call it in like an ocean wave. Call it back in. Call it back in your energy into you. Don't go outside of those lines. Stay in your vortex. Don't go in the matrix. What you're supposed to see is right for you. And sometimes you have to get off of the the direct road, get a higher plane, see a different point of view or perspective. Okay, that's just what spirit wants me to say to you. Go ahead, please. Thank you. And about coping mechanism. I love language. I'm a writer myself, but I think language has a limitation and there is like um, a conscious level that is beyond language. And Mm -hmm. it's in that conscious level where we break with bias, prejudice, judgment. So even though I'm passionate by poetry, literature, I'm a writer. Yes. So like there is a moment where it's like, it's a consciousness without any word without any language that we know. And that's a very like reset button for me. Well, I, I think 
I think that's what happens when you when you allow yourself to experience all of these things, right, Tatiana? You you we are here to experience ourselves and everything, as I said before, everything in our external world is there to allow us to do that. If if we existed in a vacuum, we wouldn't be able to experience ourselves because there would be nothing to reflect back to us, right? So uh, and just leading or going back to the the earlier statement in the conversation i'm always of the opinion whether you whether you're talking about 5d or higher consciousness or whatever it may be i'm always of the opinion that we take these higher ideals or growth or evolution and we bring them down into our physical expression right correct yeah so it's it's more about it's not going into a different place, as it were. We are supposed to have the experience here on this, uh, in this uh, reality construct, because and and that's oftentimes what gets so painful because it is such a dense experience in this reality construct, and we feel constricted by it. But that's that's part of the the uh, process and the growth process is to expand into that, and expand and bring that kind of expansion into the uh, reality exp- uh, construct that we're experiencing on this earth plane as it were um, that's my perspective by the way go ahead nicole um believe it or not uh we wanted to come to this plane uh we had to come to this atmosphere uh to understand how to not just move things with our mind, but with these tangible flesh uh, temples that we have. Uh, We had to understand these emotions, understand how to cope, how not to just cope, but to just be. How to be in line with our truth, how to get back to ourselves, how to unlock the code that was originally put in us. Uh, because Earth is one of the hardest, uh, I guess, training grounds we'll get from here. Once we get out of here, it's all up, up, up. And heaven on earth is here right now. I'm not trying to focus on some other place in the sky, but I know I've been reincarnated several times. And uh for us, like literally, I my spirit is like definitely Egyptian, Indian, Mayan. So they threw me right in the heart of LA where the Los Angeles are, Los Angeles. They threw me in there with all this American stuff. And they said, what can you do? Can you get your tools? Can you figure out who you are out here in the middle of America? Coming to America, right? Like that freaking movie, right? The queen of Zamunda, the goddess of Zamunda getting... <laughs> I mean, oh my God, if you look at every movie of your life, it's it's talking about you. Everything is relating to you once you fully can open your eyes. (laughs) And I'm like, God is so funny. He threw me in this American place in this beautiful, queenly uh, caramel skin and was like, yo, and deep inside you were such an Eastern uh, medicine, meditation person, but I'm going to throw you in the midst of everything that's different from you and see, can't you really figure out and find yourself decode yourself anyway? And, uh, you know, Carl Rogers talks about the organismic self 
we're we're always trying to find our way back to the organismic self, which is the authentic yourself, right? Yeah, uh, it is the the what you were born as, right? <laughs> and that's where we're always trying to strive back to, and that is part of part of the pain. You know, when you are in that adolescent, when we bring in a lot of these coping mechanisms, teenage, late teenage, is because we, we feel this draw and pull back to the organismic self. We don't, we, we have this incongruency within us. And we're trying to find our way back to that congruency where we're in alignment with the organismic self. But we are doing it without having the tools necessary to do so in an adaptive way. So we come up with these different things, whether it be, you know, drinking alcohol, smoking weed or smoking cigarettes or whatever it is. They are all tools that we come up with, with our limited uh, experience and limited uh, knowledge to get back there. Right. Well, a little bit is moderation is the key. I'm working on moderating right now. Like um, I finished a bottle of uh, this amazing bottle. Let me, I got to show you this bottle. The God sent me this bottle. This is amazing. Y'all got to look at this bottle. Okay. I was in the store. Um, I went to go help a friend of mine. His mother was passing away. And we went to the store beforehand. I was giving her her transition from life uh, to death. It was the last night she was alive. And I spent that time with them. Okay. And this was the only bottle there. Angelica, the only one. I went to go to what I normally like, and this is the one that was there. And the guy was like, oh, it's expensive. Do you have another one? He said, this is the only one here. It's the only one. So I knew it was for me. And um, I finished that bottle over the weekend. And I decided over the weekend, if you would like to have some champagne, that's fine. We moderate ourselves, right? And I love to smoke my marijuana. I can't lie. But I just kind of took a little bit to the side. And I'm like, just start with that, ration that. Like even I do my morning walks super early. I wake up to be with the stars and to be with the, uh, I can't think of what they're called right now, but before the sun comes up, there's special codes that come in the light and I come to be with them. And uh, normally I would take some marijuana with me. I was like, no, you don't need your marijuana, just go. So I'm just seeing how more and more time I could be inside of my spirit and myself. And then, you know, when it's time tonight after I've got my work done, then it's okay, roll up. Or maybe even after I come back from the pool or something like that, but don't just make that, don't make it into such a habit that when you actually may want to use it or need it for something different, you've already, you're so immune to the powers and the abilities of it. Let it be I think, I think It's also that when you're using these coping mechanisms to the point where, yes, they are losing their ability to, help you but they're also uh, they are becoming regulators of your life right they right. control you as opposed to the other way around um, yes. and i mean I'm, I'm not you know proposing that anybody does you know drink alcohol or smoke weed or do drugs or whatever um, that's not what that that is about it's more for me you know, I stopped drinking alcohol about six years ago. I stopped smoking about the same time uh, and stopped drinking coffee about three years ago. And they, they were just things that kind of, as you're describing there, Nicole, 
they kind of start to lose their importance of your life. They start, you start to lose interest in them because they're not playing that part anymore or they're, they're not fulfilling that purpose anymore. So for example, in hypnotherapy, when we work with, with uh, smoking addiction, uh, addiction or smoking cessation in this case, there are always two aspects of the addiction. There's the physical addiction, which is the chemical dependency, but then you also have the mental addiction, which is the, uh, you know, having something in your hand. So like sitting with a pen in my hand now, for example, or, uh, you know, you, you having something, you know, the motion of it. So we always look at uh, what part of the dependency is based on a maladaptive coping mechanism and what part is the kind of uh, chemical dependency, right? So the chemical dependency, that's easy to deal with because it doesn't have a root to anything, right? Right. It, it doesn't come from a, it. It's something that you bring to yourself. The uh, maladaptive coping mechanism has a root in something that always comes from something. And it is because we are trying, we use this at some point to, to kind of become congruent with our organismic self. We were trying to get back to our authenticity. Um, and because we ended up in a process where now we're adding, a, essentially we're adding a trauma to our own experience, we're now going to have to deal with that too. Because giving up, you know, whether it be drugs or cigarettes or alcohol or whatever, is traumatic. It's challenging. But it doesn't that, have that, to be, I can call turkey anything. It's a mindset. Honestly, I've called turkey absolutely, anything. Absolutely. But it's got, when you are deep into it, there is the pain of dealing with that, right? So we got uh, Zora putting up a hand. Go right ahead. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was. Um, uh, I had the, the problem as a student too uh, with uh, not hard drugs, but alcohol. Mm -hmm. And I had the problem with some other small drugs. But uh, the the thing is that what you are talking when you're talking about why are you doing this? And for me, it was like I was doing it alone. And this is very because and many times many times I heard that it's to please others or to be part of a group. And in my case, it was the opposite. Mm -hmm. I was kind of alone in Paris as a student. And I experienced this in my own or in my room, you know? So I was experiencing and then I was writing or doing whatever. And it was not when I was part of a group because when I was part of a group, I, I tended to actually not really want to please them or, you know, it was not really my thing. But the point is when I came to this point where I felt that actually the drugs, the alcohol or whatever, they would not let me dive really into my own reality and dive into the truth. So that's where I, I was thinking because last time we were talking about disappointment and, and for me too, I'm a kind of a person who's very often in my life I was disappointed. And so it was a kind of sadness and would not say depression because I 
not depression because I'm too disciplined. Sometimes I, I need this discipline. So I was waking up doing things, but sadness, yes, definitely. And I think it's because maybe I was completely, I was for sure disconnected to the truth. Mm-hmm. I was disconnected to light. I was disconnected to simple things, actually, to be grateful, thankful, to see, to hear, to listen, to feel, you know. So um, I was completely disconnected. And uh, so I was looking for when I was sharing with other people, I could not find my truth. So that's why what Nicole said, actually, you have to dive into your own landscapes in order to find it. But in order to do that, you have to go through certain experiences in your life to find your way, you know, because if you are staying like me, I was staying in my room and experiencing some at, at some point you will fe- you will feel like, hey, I'm getting stuck, even if I'm mm-hmm. doing all the experiences. So when I you get out but the, the truth about all this is that actually when what Nicole said and what you said, too, is that we are connected to each other. I don't believe in several lives. In my case, uh, even if I was working with people who believe in that, and I really do respect this vision, this, uh, this vision. For me, I just believe that we will all get back to the one creator who created us. Also, we were created by one and we'll get back to him. But that's why we know each other, actually. And we are connected so deeply, actually, and we'll go back to the one who created us. So for me, it was like, as soon as I connected to this truth, I could just disconnect to all the bad things, you know. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, the alcohol was not tasting good anymore. Uh, suddenly, the cigarettes were not, they were not tasting good anymore. It was like kind of disgusting. And I didn't need, need this anymore. So my drug was kind of uh, suddenly to go to nature, to dive into nature, to do some positive things for my soul. And that was my drug, my new drug. Mm. The positive drug, let's say, yeah. Because the other one, it was like letting me disconnecting, being more disconnected to other people, to myself, to the truth, to the creator of all things. That's why step by step, I was kind of a shadow of myself. Even if I was thinking I was a great and cool person, but I was not. So it's good just to, I think, to to see that actually pain and suffering is a part of it. And I'm I'm not actually looking for being happy 24 hours. I know sometimes I will feel bad and accept this sadness inside of me because it's part of me. So I, I have a part of myself that is deep sadness and it's good, it's okay, you know? And no one can understand that, just me and the one who created me. So mm. the thing is just that in this very moment, you just don't trigger others and you just understand that in this very precise moment where you feel sad or disappointed, whatever, or depressed, you have this discipline or this um, this uh, powerful moment where you say, okay, now you step back. You step back and you will not, uh, I will not um, influence negatively my surroundings. I will try to distance myself and observe myself and look for an answer inside of myself. That's maybe the, the most, the hard thing, the hard thing that in this very moment, you can just step back, you know, and say, no, stop, look. Like the animals, when they are sick, they step back, they hide. And when we are sick, we have kind of sickness in our hearts or we feel bad, we should just step back and say, okay, now look, people, I cannot. Right now, I'm, a, I'm a really in a bad mood. 
So to see this difference and to recognize, and then you can recover very quickly, maybe after a couple of hours, maybe not, maybe we'll just need a couple of minutes. So to recognize that, that's the difference. Instead of going, taking a drug or going, triggering my surroundings, et cetera. Yeah, beautiful. And uh, it is that showing up as the best version of yourself and then you, you radiate that to, to your surroundings, right? Uh, so it's coming back to what's uh, authentic. If you come into congruency with yourself, then you feel at peace. Even if you have that deep sadness, you accept it as part of your experience because you know that you're in alignment with yourself. And that way you can then uh, still allow that sadness to just rise up and escape out of you. Uh, like I've said many times before, the emotions are energy. They, it's An energy is always in motion. Uh, so when we, uh, when we attach to and hold the, or kind of push down the emotions, we're just storing it and it exists and it, it doesn't like being stuck and stored. So therefore it creates that discomfort within us. And it is when we when we allow that emotion to rise up and escape out from us and to communicate to us what is why it's there, that's when we can feel that freedom. But until we teach ourselves or we practice how to do that, it is going to continue. We are going to continue to suffer from it, right? Go ahead, Nicole. Um, okay, so first of all, Zora. I really want to thank you. That thing you said about the taste different. Sometimes I wonder, like, uh, maybe I've done something super spiritual or something. And then I'll go try to smoke weed or, and I'm like, oh, it's disgusting. I don't like this. Or maybe it's not the weed. It's the Fonto leaf. It's not that I don't think God wants me to smoke that Fonto leaf because it's, it's even though it's natural without the chemicals, it still has tobacco in it or something. So or nicotine, whatever. Um, I don't think he wants me to do that. I think he's cool with the marijuana, but it's the, the Fonto that bothers me at times. So that's really cool. And also, I just wanted to be honest with you guys and let you know that when I was more drinking and smoking, it was it did create a prison for me because I also believe in the value of other people's lives. So I don't drink and drive and smoke marijuana and drive it, like when I was like a, a teenager or in my early 20s. Yeah, but the more responsible I got in myself, I realized that it's not just me. What if I hurt someone else? Actually, it's crazy. A friend of mine, she had no remorse. I didn't realize it until this moment that might've made me click. She got in an accident with someone and killed someone and had no remorse in her spirit. And she, she said, Oh, it was just his fault. And I just couldn't understand. And I know she likes to party. And I felt in my heart that she was intoxicated when she took this man's life. Not even it was on purpose, but after that, that might have been something that clicked in me to not want to drink and drive. So, you know, I would Uber, I would depend on my friends, you know, to pick me up, you know, so that I was, you know, thought I was being responsible, but it created a prison, you know? And so now more and more, I don't smoke marijuana until like the end of the day or something, because I'm like, well, I want to go here and I want to go there. And then I think, well, how long can you stay here without that? And then you forget about your addictions or whatever, or your, 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 your coping mechanisms. Cause like, oh my God, I've just been going to this lake every day and I want to be at the lake and I want to be a responsible driver. So it's like my want to be responsible and my want to enjoy this experience 
it, it's more of a stronger pull for me. Exactly. And it brought me back into life. You know, I used to, it got to the point where I couldn't even drive a car at night uh, because I didn't, you know, if you go party at night, it's, it's dark. You can't even party at night. Well, what's the point of going out at night? Like, you know, like it was just, it just became such a prison. And I'm like free now. I'm in the prism. Mm-hmm. of positivity instead so yeah well totally i mean it, it, way, by the way and uh miss uh wait tatiana is the bomb too you're all great thank <laughs> you <laughs> so no I, I i totally recognize that and it, it could be something simple as you know if you just want to have a glass of wine at a dinner or something but you're then worrying about oh how i'm gonna get home and stuff and it becomes it becomes that like I have to have that glass of wine, but then I can't drive. So you're putting limitations on yourself. And, and you're stuck at home instead. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's absolutely, it, and it, you don't need to be an alcoholic. On it. I mean, that was my case, you know, when I went to dinners or I went out with the friends, there had to be the alcohol around, right? Because that was the expectation. It's the, the uh, uh, societal expectation. Um, so it becomes a po- coping mechanism for something, but once you release that and you allow yourself to have the experience without adding anything to it, it's purely just your experience. Then you can start release that, right? Yeah, it's and really- it, it it is a beautiful uh, transition. I feel it's liberating. It's liberating. Yeah. The other day. Um, I went, it was funny though. I actually went to Total Wine, but it was just because they were giving these little samples. And I know my grandfather wanted me to go there because he liked to drink Smirnoff and the lady was demoing Smirnoff. I was at this uh, a Mexican store and um, I met the demo lady there. And so I just went to have a little toast with my grandfather. Like I knew it was this small, so I knew I could still drive, you know? And um, I ended up getting a cool Smirnoff backpack. And that's one of the first times like, Someone else came up to me and they said, your grandfather, you know, the one that likes to drink, uh, he's rooting for you. He wants you to be a jewelry designer at Belgari or something like that. And I already was already into connecting with my grandfather. But once somebody came up to me and told me he was talking to me, oh, oh my God. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, for real, this is real. And it just like, it just developed this, like, he's my best friend. Like he died when I was six months but I'm more closer to him than people on this earth. You know, it's like crazy. I can't explain it, but it's so powerful. But what I did after that, going to that, uh, that place, he just wanted me to go there because he knew it wasn't enough to get drunk. It's these little baby shops. And I just started walking down the little complex and literally everything that I like was in there. It's like, I really have started to realize that I have built this whole entire world around myself. The lake is there, the water park is there. The mall is right there. Like, um, let's see, in all of the stores where everything I liked, there was a pet store. There was a store from when I used to be chubby as a kid. It was a memory. It's like the Costco is there. It's like, literally, I have created my entire reality. And I know how powerful of a manifester and a creator that I am. And so therefore, I really, uh, it's instead of, uh, blessings, uh, instead of me, now instead of having negative self-talk in my head, I've got my consciousness and God, and we talk back and forth all day. So there's no room for anything that's not positive and loving to come into my mind frame. And if it does, we talk about it, we shake it off. And, you know, we do five, four, three, two in alignment with self. 
you know, we check our whatever, if we feel something, cause it'll, sometimes it won't be like a long feeling. It'll just be like a quick, like a, a jolt, like a nerve, a nervous system, right? That's what they call it. They're trying to get us nervous. Our, our reptile, you want to say something? I see it in you. No, no. Do you want to? Okay, on. I don't want to be taking over. I've, as a, as a um, Sagittarius, double Sagittarius Aries, very, very, uh, but you know, I know how to share. I am an, um, an extrovert and a, um, someone that knows when to hold and when to fold, I suppose. You know, I'm learning myself, you know? That's okay, it's Nicole. All, We're, it's, 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 it is an open forum and it's a presentation yeah. and discussion. So absolutely. thank you. Well, I've never really done the open forum. Like I'm just yeah. getting new to all of this Mind Valley, but um, I'm so blessed to be with you guys. You guys have helped me skyrocket and understand myself so much more. Every Mind Valley experience. I can't wait to go to the next. Uh, you guys, let's plan a meet next year. We should go to the conference. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, I think it's important to recognize that we all have our different experiences as we move through this thing called life, right? So for Nicole, it's going to be your relationship with uh, your definition of what God means to you, right? And for Zora, it's going to be something else. And Tatiana, it's going to be something else. Um, but it's, it is constantly under. Uh, Asking, asking ourselves, kind of questioning our motives as to why we are doing things. Am I doing this because I'm trying to come into alignment with myself or am I doing this to cover something up? Mm -hmm. uh, am I, you know, so constantly asking ourselves the big questions and asking or questioning our motives as to why we're doing things that will then help us to move closer into alignment with ourselves. And whether we are doing that in relation to you know, just this physical reality, you know, if we don't, if we don't believe in any, uh, you know, higher power or anything else, this is the life, this is it. Or whether we're doing it in conjunction with our guides and our higher power or God or whatever it may be, it really doesn't matter. It is this seeking to be in alignment with ourselves. And it's the, the coping mechanisms uh, that brings us out of alignment. Well, it, it kind of tricks us to go down a different route um, as opposed to coming back into alignment with ourselves. Um, so when we're, you know, when we're looking at, um, you know, also the masquerading of uh, adapt or mechanism or coping mechanisms that are masquerading as uh, adaptive adaptive uh, uh, coping mechanisms. That's where we really have to watch out, and those are blind spots, right? So we we are thinking of well, yes, this is uh, yes, I am coming in or seeking to come into alignment with myself because I'm doing this. Uh, this thing spirituality can be a definitely a coping mechanism because we're using spirituality as a way to uh, avoid dealing with our own emotions right yeah. so if we are uh, and i we have an episode from last year where we talked about uh, spiritual bypass where we are using uh, our spiritual knowledge uh, as a way to uh, avoid dealing with our own emotions, right? Spiritual bypass? This yeah. Is funny. What is, can you explain a little more? This is a hilarious term, please. All right. So spiritual bypass is 
uh, where we are, um, yeah, so for example, uh, we are experiencing sadness, but we are refusing to experience it. So we're saying, no, I'm happy, I'm joyful, because God is with me, everything is fine, everything is fine, no, everything is fine, but there is sadness within us. So we, we're putting this uh, facade on outside that is incongruent with how we feel inside. Then we're bypassing ourselves in favor of this uh, notion of uh, a higher power. Does that make sense? Actually, uh, Christopher, about that just quickly, because uh, you're yeah. giving me a, this, uh, this trick that I use that actually we are really fascinating creatures, we human beings, really fascinating, because if we observe ourselves, for example, when you are sad, for example, and you force yourself to sadness, the sadness will go. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed that? Or if you are about to cry and you say cry more, you will stop to cry. So we are really so there are so many paradoxes inside of us. Mm -hmm. You know, we can never really understand how we were created. And what is all this about? The brain, the heart, the soul, these mixture, cocktail and all this. You know, so we are really fascinating. We don't need drugs. Actually, we don't need alcohol. We don't need all these things because we are a perfect cocktail of all the it's magnificent how we were created. So I think we don't need this when we, we go to the point where we realize actually that we are our own drug. We are our own. Actually, we are wondering how we were created and how we are functioning. Because it's really so easy to get out of certain states of minds if we just discipline ourselves and we are just observing ourselves, and, you know, not partying all the time. Because when we party too much, there comes a point where we tend to really, the energies of the others are really having a big influence on, on us. That's normal. We, we are social uh, people, social creatures. So we are tending to take energies from others. That's totally natural. That if we tend to partying all the time, we will tend to actually weaken our own energy. So that's why we have to find a balance between socializing and being in our own temple. So that's why I'm saying actually the spiritual by bypass, what you're saying, what I'm doing now five times a day, I'm praying. Sometimes I'm, I'm asking myself, like, am I praying for the good reason? Am I in this mo very moment? I just want to purify myself from all the negative stuff. And then I will go back to life, you know, just like this. Yeah. But sometimes if it's a routine, it's no, it's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, but if, if your sadness is kind of taking so much space, then for me, the trick is that I'm, I'm just forcing myself into the sadness. So I will see, oh, now I can open the door to something new. That is no sadness anymore, you wow. know. Interesting. Yeah, that, thank you. That's uh, very interesting. Yeah, forcing yourself into your emotion or forcing yourself into your sadness and it, it dissipates. Yeah, no, it, because I suppose you are you're putting you in a position where you really have to experience it, right? You're putting yourself in the middle of it where you have to experience it. And uh, Nicole, perhaps if I share you my journey with spiritual bypass, it will give you a... a better perspective on it um yes thank you so when i was you know learning all these uh, uh kind of uh, allowing these uh teachings if you like to come uh, rise up within me and uh, kind of revealing them from within myself 
uh, inner wisdom, if you like. Um, and I was, you know, definitely kind of putting them out there and writing about them and so forth and so forth. But it come, comes a point where I'm like espousing or espousing all these um, ideals and uh, thoughts and uh, concepts and philosophies and so forth. But then I start looking at myself and saying, well, what's the point of me kind of uh, talking about or uh, sharing all these things if I don't actually live them myself? So, for example, one, the, I, I always uh, work through my experiences with four tenements. It's compassion, acceptance, forgiveness, and gratitude, right? And I've been talking about this for years and years and years. But if I wasn't doing that with myself, I was just talking about it, then I'm not healing what's within myself I'm just kind of using this as a facade on the outside to avoid dealing with what's on the inside. So the spirit or the, uh, the philosophies or the existential philosophies just become a coping mechanism to avoid dealing with what's within me, right? So I'm not in alignment with my beliefs, right? And that's, that's the spiritual bypass. Does that make sense? Yes, I had a spiritual bypass. Thank you. Um, <laughs> We've all experienced it. Yes, I understand now. I was motivating people for over 15 years, traveling with my jewelry business. And during COVID uh, in 2019, I was, you know, we were set off to go, or 2020, excuse me, the beginning of 2020. Mm -hmm. I was set off to go on another show. And I just, I was so tired. I've been motivating women for years, telling them how beautiful they are to love themselves, never to speak negatively about themselves. But when I would go home after I had given all of that to them, I'm pretty sure that I probably wasn't speaking to myself with the same love that I was giving mm -hmm. to everyone else. Mm -hmm. And I was so depleted from giving, 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 and I didn't understand a recharge yet. And um, I was having these breaks and I would even feel guilty for when I didn't work. Because I'm such a hard worker. I'm a freaking workhorse. I'm a Sagittarius. I'm really literally a horse. So <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> would never, it would even in my downtime, I couldn't just be. I would feel guilty. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that I was allowed to be. And um, this woman came to my show and I just hardly could sell. And she was like an angel. And she just picked up and she was selling my stuff because I was just running out of gas, you know? I was just saying the same stuff, but I didn't have the energy, the, in, the energy OD, you know, to produce. Mm -hmm. um, and shortly after that, right after that COVID happened. And so the first show, I secretly, I have been such a hard worker my whole life. I've been self-employed my whole life. And I was secretly happy when they canceled the first show. But then after that, after it kept going, that was scary too, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But during that time when we got caught so far out to where... Shit, all the things that I thought that I was, all the things that made me me. And all of that got stripped away. And then what was I left with but me still? Just me. And, and I just had to go inside of myself. And uh, with that being said, I realized the same message that I was giving to other people. I wasn't being consistent with my, myself. Mm -hmm. It's so quick. Out of congruency, right? Yeah, we could so be quick to say, don't ever say anything negative about yourself. 
but I am like such the biggest critic of perfection. I don't compete with other people. I compete with myself mm-hmm. for excellence. And so therefore that is how I've gotten to this ploy- place and point in my life. But that's also to say, I used to think that I used to have to work out for five hours to achieve my physical goals. I've always hit the ground so hard, so hard, so hard. I always thought I had to be everything with a hard fist, everything. So I'm an alpha female. You know, I didn't get to grow up with my dad like I wanted and my like brothers and sisters. So I had to learn how to protect myself. So I brought that same uh, tortoise shell, you know, into my adulthood. And, uh, you know, we go inside like a turtle to retreat, but if we don't understand what's inside our foundation, then we can't really uh, fully just be in that that place of peace, you know? And uh, what you're saying about the spiritual bypass, it's like, I've lost weight and gained weight more than once in my life. And I, I finally understand the difference now. And I didn't, I would never allow myself to get a bypass. I would never allow myself to do the, the easy way. But I remember after my cousin got one, I met a guy and he told me he was going to, he would give me one for free. And then I would be an example and everything. And in that moment, I was almost going to give up on myself, which is what we do spiritually, emotionally in our jobs and everything. Sometimes we just submit and say, shit, there's the easy way out. But do you know how many people I've met that are in the hospital or sick or feeling like crap from getting those bypasses? Cause they try to take the quick way out of it instead of uh, going deep inside. Like you said, we can't just do a bypass. We can't bypass. Oh my God. I hear the word bypassing. We're bypassing. Uh, Cause there's so much in the root of these words. Well, we're bypassing ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Bypassing yourself instead of being truly within. Oh my God. I love you, man. Oh my God. You're the best dude. Oh my God. Thank you. Maybe, maybe Nicole, the next time when you work like you're working, you start with yourself and your family members or your best friends, because that's what I did a couple of years ago. Before COVID, I had something about forgiveness. And I said to my daughters, we will we we have two weeks holidays now. We will do this together with my daughters, you know. I'm living with my daughters, with my three daughters. And I just started with them to work on forgiveness. And we did really practical things together. And after one month, I had this with total strangers, you know, seminar, workshop and all this. So this experience helped me a lot because I knew if I'm not doing it inside of my cocoon, my temple, inside of myself, with my family members, all this, then it will be maybe a lie. I will not be in alignment. So it helped me a lot. I was, it really, it was great. It was hard work, yeah, for me and for my daughters, but we did it and we had a lot of fun. And it, it was a great help actually after to work it and then to do it into, maybe you can, you can try it this way, you know? So um, Zora, I'm totally in alignment with what you're uh, talking about. In fact, I went on this quest and I'll learn how to accept Christ and love Christ and understand him for me. Um, in my spiritual practice, because I was convinced there was no such thing as, as uh, Christ, but I understand Christ's consciousness for me. And through that, um, it was really on this journey to for forgiveness for my mother. So we could have this perfect, beautiful, or at least as close to harmonious relationship as we could. But there is a shift in the 3D to the 5D consciousness. And therefore, um, my spirit guides have been letting me know that pretty much, unfortunately, 
I hope it's just that our time is separate because of spirituality and not that she's actually going to leave this earthly plane, even though I know that she will continue to come back. But what I really want to get to is what tools, because I've tried so much to do this healing thing with her. And every time I do, I believe that I'm coming up against some type of pain or roadblock that she doesn't want to confront. I don't know what to do. Uh, honestly, I've really tried to heal this relationship with my mother. And I would just love some guidance if you have some of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. That would be such a blessing. Well, I can, yeah. if, I, if I may, I can share my journey with my mother because I have the same thing, right? Yes. Yes. It was in that case, it was her inability to forgive herself that was a roadblock. So mm -hmm. you can. And that, that's why I said before that you you can only uh, do the work within yourself. You can't do the work within someone else. They have to do their work. And you can only show up as the best version of yourself and radiate out. When you've worked out, worked with your boundaries, you've worked with yourself, and you are moving into alignment with yourself and you're finding the optimal version of yourself and all of these coping mechanisms have just dropped off quite naturally because they you don't need them anymore because you are now living your life from your perspective now you're starting to radiate out this energy that you know when you walk into a room and you there are people that just hold this space hold this power hold this energy and you're like oh i just want to be around these people oh my god you know um and that's they they don't even have to say anything right <laughs> yeah um, confirmation <laughs> yeah. somewhere around here i don't know where. <laughs> but, the, but the thing is that if you're not ready to embrace that within yourself yeah and a lot of people feel triggered by, uh, by people that have done work with themselves because they are seeing the shortcomings within themselves right so mm -hmm. when you are triggered it's just something that mirrors back within yourself that remains unhealed within yourself so no. so no. for your in your mother's case she mm -hmm. might simply not be ready to take that step and it's not your it's not your responsibility to make her take that step she has to do that on her own now in my mother's case, she passed away. You know, we had conversations about it and she plainly said she can't do it. She refused to do it because, you know, the, she, her, <laughs> and this is interesting. Her justification was that if she didn't hold on to the pain, then who would? I said, why does anybody have to hold on to the pain? because otherwise it would be forgotten right so that was her and she was very much she liked to no she was very used to being in the victim state right so at, it came to some point and i think all i, I mean i've uh, i've worked as a healer for uh, quite a long time now and it is one of those things that you come up against it's like you cannot help everybody you can only help those that you're meant to help, right? And yeah. it, it's painful when it's our own family. And it's painful the, when it's the people that are around us that we care for. But at the end of the day, it is a choice and it's their decision. 
How do we Absolutely. get along? Yeah, and, and the case of my mother, I, I had the same experience, but a little different. But I would say the same that actually when you work on yourself, you will see changes around you. And if you don't see those changes around you, then it's and if you are still frustrated about that, that's because you are not still you are still you have to work on yourself. You see what I mean? Uh, I think it's kind of to realize I cannot change anyone, even my kids, you know, they will become what they become or they have to become. That's, you know, I, I have to trust this. You know, they are not my they they are not my possession. They don't belong to me, my kids, you know, to, to realize that as a mother and as a kid to realize your mother, she is your mother. You will not have another mother. So just to be thankful for this experience, what you have become now is it's a little bit, you know, there's a painful part, but the painful part to accept, embrace it. And the same I had with my mother, she passed away last year. And I was very thankful for her to be the last month with me, live with me. I did not want her somewhere else. And she was very, very sick. So she was, she passed away next to me. And I was very thankful for this experience because it was like, forgive, you know, it was working on myself, very hard work, but it was working on myself. And I felt that she was thankful too for that. And I really did forgive her everything. You know, I really did forgive her everything because I was working so hard on myself. So I could not see the flaws anymore and the mistakes. I just saw the, the good stuff, you know, because it was just, it, it was like light, you know. So I think it's, it's just to realize that you cannot change anyone. It makes you stronger and wiser because you then focus on what is really essential. It's the, the acceptance, accepting your journey and accepting her journey, right? Yeah. So exactly. whenever you come up against an experience, whether it be a relationship or whatever, you have three choices. You can either leave the experience. You can try to change the experience in your external world. So in this case, changing your mother, right? Yeah. Well, I try to change or, myself first. Or you can change your perception of the experience. So now for you to get along with your mother is simply for you to accept that she has her journey and you have your journey. And I mean, I've pretty much left most of my family because I, we just simply don't vibrate on the same frequency and, you know, they're no good for me. I'm no good for them. That's okay. And that's okay. It's scary to say that, like, I, I just want to understand the balance of, being one with everyone, having to... Well, that's the acceptance. Basically, I just... Because you have your journey and she has her journey. When, once you accept that, you also accept that you are part of the same journey. But for her to have uh, experienced her pain and suffering in the way she wants to experience it, it's an individual choice, right? So... Yes. Can I ask you one more question? It's kind of off of this subject a little bit. <laughs> I think we've gone quite far off anyway, so go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Remember I was speaking about the young man who I'd helped him with his mother transitioning from life into death? Mm. Well, I, um, we used to date about a year ago. I'm now celibate and I really prefer a relationship with myself um, for right now in my lifetime. And um, so, because we really need to get to know ourselves. And so uh, with that being said, after his mother passed away, he was so appreciative in the way that I prayed for him. He thought that he was gonna start up something with me. And he was so closed off emotionally when I first met him. 
And now he wants to be so emotional. And he kept calling me and wanting to come by my house. And, you know, I felt some, I did want to be somewhat supportive for him. And so um, I let him come over and spend the night uh, at my house because who would want, like if your mom passed, I would want, you know, to comfort you. He woke up the next morning and like, uh, he's already surrounding this kind of chaos. Some guy, he let borrow a car, wants the car back. It was just so much energy I didn't want to be involved with. And he wanted me to go with him to go get this car and this and this and that. And when I set the boundary and I said, no, I can't, do you not have some other friends that can do it? Now, all of a sudden he's accusing me and saying, I'm not a good friend and I'm not there for him. And, oh my God, it's very, very stressful for me because, uh, well, it's not it's that stressful, but it is stressful to not want to let someone down and to know that I was there for him when I felt that I needed to be, and he's not going to pay my rent. So how does he feel that he could just, I told him I had to work and I had a meeting, but he thought I was to drop my life, you know? And so. Well, yeah. So you, you clearly triggered something within him. You know, whether that being, again, it could be disappointment, you could trigger uh, abandonment issues, whatever it may be. But it's, again, that's his journey. If he is not willing and ready to work on that, he will, in this case, his coping mechanism is to lash out or to externalize his experience, right? Which, again, so I suppose we come back to the coping mechanism. Everything we act that is out of alignment with ourselves, with our organismic self, becomes a coping mechanism. So in this case, and you, you, it's not your responsibility to uh, soothe him or appease him or what have you. Your job, like it seems to me in that situation was for you to maintain your boundaries for him to uh, have an opportunity to learn something about himself in this case probably sounds like disappointment how do i react to disappointment why do i react this way but if we're not willing to see ourselves from that perspective then we're going to have to experience that again until we're ready to do that he's pushing me away what about but what about my energy did i attract the situation um, well, what always go back to what am I learning from it? So what are you learning from that experience? What are you I'm, learning about yourself from that? What was reflecting back on you? I may not be there when you want me to be, but I'm right on time when you need me to be there. I'll be there when you really need me. Yeah. Because there for him when his mother passed away, but I can't just be there for your wants. I, no. You know? Exactly. And so you got to be authentic with yourself. And perhaps, you know, this Mother Teresa uh, energy that a lot of women have or the knight in shining armor that a lot of men have, that we have to come to the rescue of others when they should really be allowed to rescue themselves, right? Yes. We have to be the hero of our own story. That's what someone in Mind Valley, some woman, she's amazing. She said that. She's like loves a She-Ra or something. I don't know. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. <laughs> Larry, you have the floor. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I joined uh, yeah, recently, and uh, I very liked the time that I spent here. And as uh, Christopher, you said, if we're already off the, off the rails, <laughs> so go on. Uh, I just wanted to share a bit... Um, 
because uh, yesterday uh, something happened, not not uh, something uh, very dramatic, but it was something that reminded me. I had a little trigger when my mother, um, I think it was 7 a.m. in the morning when she saw me <laughs> eating kind of like a breakfast and then she, she asked if I went to sleep and I said, no, I didn't because I was sincere and was honest with her because uh, because of some... Um, people are going to live with us uh, for a couple of days. Someone's, uh, never mind. So uh, I, I said, no, look at the good things. Look at the things that I, um, I did uh, some, I, I did the dishes. I did the, uh, the home looks a lot better than before. But then her disappointment was that there is always time for everything. And uh, I just couldn't understand it at the moment because I had a trigger because it uh, it angered me. Why are you always uh, not always? Why are you fo- like to focus also in the past and now even on the bad things and not on the good things that I changed? And then uh, there was a surface of the things that uh, we already talked about, the things that uh, she thinks that I'm not on the right path. She think she thinks that the right path for me is different. And then I came to the realization after I understood more and more again that point, and I I told I told myself, okay, I know that con- that conversation. We already talked about it. I understand your perspective now better, and we can move on from it, from there. And uh, then, even yesterday and also today, I talked about it uh, a bit on here in, in the groups with um, Mind Valley members, with. Um, and the group before was uh, Sincerity uh, that Vivian uh, led. And uh, yesterday, when it was uh, in the Fatty Lights group of community, I asked that question, how do I deal with this? Because I intern- not internally, intellectually, I understand her perspective, but internally, I still have this trigger. trigger. How do I let go of that trigger? Because uh, I know that she's my mother. I know she's worried about me. I know that she loves me. Uh, but she disagrees with me. She disagrees with my purpose or my potential or things that uh, the things that I want to do in life are bigger than me. And uh, I was, uh, when you said, uh, Christopher, the three points, uh, the first one, I don't remember the first one. The second one was to, uh, to change external. Mm-hmm. The fir- the, and the third one was to change your perspective. Yeah. And uh, I also... The first, first, uh, first one is to uh, leave the experience. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, and I don't like uh, to live experiences. I I think every experience. Well, so, sometimes that's the right thing to do. So yeah, 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 yeah. For for some exactly for some uh, circumstances, and uh, I like again before I live an experience, I like uh, to think about it and to think what I can learn from this experience, and then I can leave it. But uh, now I'm in that phase of the third option that uh, I understand that like she's on her path, I'm on my path, mm-hmm. and uh, I think less and less and less every day that I need to change her if she doesn't want it. And uh, I will just show with results and uh, my actions in the real world, sort of say, yes, that people can see and uh, see me as a different person from before I changed myself to after I changed myself. That people will see, or my my parents or my good friends, that I was a different Larry, a different, uh, because of my my own coping mechanisms before Mm -hmm. I did the change. And now, when after I took action and took my life, I'm uh, how do I say it? I'm the captain of my life, or I'm the I'm the leader. I'm the main character in my own story. 
mm-hmm. after I took that action and I took all the responsibility with that comes with it uh, and I hope uh, I could say uh, I hope that uh, people will see me start seeing me as a different person as a, a person that changed his life with his own power or with his own uh, maybe with help of others here in Mind Valley or books of uh, greater people, smarter people. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll take action in other words. Uh, there are a Again. couple of things that immediately come to mind. It's mm-hmm. have patience. Yeah. Trust yourself, trust the process mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. understand that as you point out, we, it's very easy to intellectualize all these things. You know, we can say to ourselves, well, my mother, you know, she wants the best for me, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But we still get triggered by it. And it's simply because we haven't moved the intellectual knowledge mm-hmm. into experiential wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once you have, once you're able to go into that place within yourself and you can heal whatever is triggering you, then you have that experience of healing that aspect of yourself. Then you move that knowledge into uh, into experiential wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. So, so uh, I think the question is uh, should probably could be more like, what would it feel like if I was able to accept my mother? fully and unconditionally for what she is going through so uh, mm-hmm. again i go through the 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 four steps i go through is compassion acceptance forgiveness and gratitude mm-hmm. so the compassion is really to understand your mother's experience and what what is it in her background that makes her triggered when you've stayed mm-hmm. up all night yeah and also, I suppose in your experience, you have an expectation of now you've cleaned the house, you've done all the dishes, you have an mm-hmm. expectation of uh, that you should feel someone should have gratitude for you. Exactly. Yeah. So did you do that? Was that action unconditional or was it done to garner sympathy or uh, respect or gratitude? No, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't with expectations it was neutral but i at least expected the neutrality and not the focuses on the on the then you still have an expectation yeah okay yeah so i had an right. expectation of not being yeah. uh, disappointed in me that yes so oftentimes what happens when we are in a situation where we continue or we continue to be triggered by something mm-hmm. then that we are still attached to that expectation mm-hmm. yes so perhaps look at your relationship with your expectations and look at the relationship uh, or if you are able to view things from an objective perspective uh, without any attachment and without any judgment. So mm-hmm. one, one, one thing I t- uh, teach in my uh, courses and uh, in the, when I work with clients is the observing your own experiences without uh, without any judgment right and yeah. I, th- I think larry you were in the psychometry uh, practice i uh, had last week right mm-hmm. so yeah. we when we 
and we practice that in a meditative state so that we can bring that into our daily lives and that will then help you to get uh, drop off these coping mechanisms which are attachments which are you know m- being out of alignment with ourselves does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah it does i think but there is i think i would add there that there is a small paradox there because if i don't have any expectations for my success for me internally for my success or what i want to do or my if it's it is a business or a business model then i i can be like uh, kind of like buddha under a tree and uh, not yeah. expect anything from life and it's like kind of the enlightenment but uh, well, you exactly. I, i'm i'm not saying everyone have to ha- has to have to have a, <laughs> a, an expectation of themselves at least because if the world will not give it to them then they'll get disappointed in themselves why i'm not yet successful why i'm not this and that and that but i think if if this is the balance of expectations and the not to expect anything in return i think there is like there lies the um, the power or uh, the, the the key here is uh, uh, attachment so it's being mm-hmm. attached yeah. to the expectation you can have expectations so for example when you sit down and you work on uh, manifestation pro- pro- practice for example mm-hmm. you can sit down and you can uh, perceive how what you want to experience in the future and then bring that feeling in within yourselves in yourself but now if mm-hmm. you attach to the outcome yeah it has to be exactly like this like, then you yeah. create that resistance mm-hmm. because yeah. now uh, you're so you're, so i have to not to attach to the outcome maybe i should to the process attach to the process the actions no, that i take no we we practice uh, non attachments we don't attach to anything mm-hmm. we can mm-hmm. still have and also if you have an expectation you need to express it mm-hmm. So if you have an expectation of gratitude from your mother then express it beforehand say uh, I'm going to clean the kitchen now uh, and I would uh, I, I hope you like it or I hope you appreciate yeah. that so that yeah. then you're expressing the uh, expectation and then you can mother mother can then decide well actually I'm not going to be grateful if you don't go to sleep mm-hmm. okay yeah right. then you I give agree. her the opportunity to at least have a choice in the matter yeah and so there is yeah, the attachment sense. and when it comes to expectation it is that we express it but we don't attach to the outcome of what uh, the expectation yeah i agree i agree we're both conscious of this of the interaction me myself and i mean my mother Mm-hmm. and then we both can navigate through our own paths and i can express my expectation and then she can express her expectation and if i exactly. don't attach uh, something to the result then i can be in peace with it yeah mm-hmm. now we're yeah. communicating <laughs> yeah yeah we are right awesome very all right well a couple of things that i just want to point out <clears throat> going back on the topic here with the regards to coping mechanisms when it becomes maladaptive to the point where it's actually a it becomes a psychological condition so we're talking eating disorders or personality disorders uh 
or PTSD and so forth, uh, when we are detaching from our own reality and so forth, that's when, uh, of course, you know, when you, when you have drug dependencies and so forth, we are experiencing that too. But when we are in a normal state of being, but we are in uh, our uh, coping mechanism becomes so ingrained in our life it's actually starting to deteriorate our life to the point where we are a danger to ourselves um, we need to pay attention to that so and obviously those situations are a lot more complex than we can go through here i mean i've uh, did a year study of uh, hypnotherapy and we went through this over and over again so <laughs> it's a uh, more more than we are going to be able to cover today but uh, and yeah absolutely fast it is it comes down to survival mode it is we are doing what we can with the resources we have in order to avoid uh, the demise of our physical experience or our physical being and that is essentially what coping mechanism is uh, thank you for that fans so it is all of these things that we we come up with are to avoid uh dying it's to survive right so which becomes counterproductive when we're talking about dependencies so smoking or drinking what have you they are coping mechanisms so that we don't have to feel the pain because the pain reminds us of uh, perhaps being ousted or shunned by the community, which would then, if we are in, a, we're young and we, we feel that we're going to be shunned by our family, then eventually we're going to die, right? So we take up the smoking or the drinking in order to avoid feeling that pain. But now we are actually killing ourselves slowly. Uh, so it, it, humans are not very smart in <laughs> <laughs> we tend to not be very smart about these things. Uh, but once we can come to realization with that and understand it and start asking the questions, what is motivating me to take these actions or to uh, install this coping mechanism? How can I shift this coping mechanism into an adaptive coping mechanism that is actually going to help me? Right? And understanding how that we can find that balance within ourselves. And it's really, I think, a lot of times, see you later, Nicole. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate uh, your comments and your sharing your story. Um, so oftentimes we can look at it. A good way to look at those experiences is, is this pleasure or happiness? Does this coping mechanism give me pleasure or happiness. So there is a, a very famous speech by, let's see if I can find it, no, I can't. Um, I might put that in the, uh, uh, in the show notes instead, uh, where we're talking about, you know, that the difference between pleasure and happiness, but in terms of the adaptive and the maladaptive uh, coping mechanisms, uh, pleasure is certainly the maladaptive. So it's the temporary pleasure, right? Uh, 
Whereas happiness is visceral, it's inside. It's something that is deep within. So when we sit in meditation, for example, meditation can be a coping mechanism for anxiety or stress. But that is an adaptive coping mechanism because we are now going in and we're starting to deal with the anxiety we have. Now, if we meditate, you know, five hours each day and we can't live our lives because we're trying to avoid the anxiety, now it becomes a maladaptive, right? So it's understanding the balance and understanding what makes a maladaptive versus an adaptive, then you can start identifying that within yourself. So look at, is this pleasure or happiness? Is this enriching my life or is this actually uh, putting me out of balance in life? So, okay, there we are. That is uh, coping mechanisms. Go ahead, uh, Yukti. Okay, uh, thank you, Christopher, for giving this opportunity to share my views. Hope you can hear me well. Yes, absolutely. Okay, uh, so uh, when it comes to pleasure versus happiness, right, and coping mechanism versus adaptive mechanism is what you are saying. Happiness, so I was just yes. Right, coping versus adaptive. So, uh, see, uh, my experience in my life has been throughout with the breathing, and I expect I have throughout. I could overcome my stress, anxiety, and depression issues with breathing. And let me tell you that uh, my breathing experiences, what I feel and what I strongly believe is uh, just breathing consciously if you build this practice it can solve numerous of your health issues including stress and anxiety as well as depression in our yogic culture i'm from india in our yogic culture and i'm also a breath coach and i hope you might be knowing about pranayams these are the you know you might have heard about it pranayams prana plus ayam that is you know controlling the breath uh, so in fact uh, it's been recommended also that uh, uh, just by focusing and working on our breath the prana it's the life force it's the energy that is there within us because uh, the first thing that we take after birth is we inhale and the last thing that we do is exhalation and in between this inhalation and exhalation lies our whole life if only we start paying attention to our breath mm -hmm. so in my view i may have a you know narrowed view because that has been my experiences so far because i have only worked with breath as a, a mechanism i don't know what to say coping or adaptive to be honest okay oh no i, <laughs> yeah. I would say it's absolutely well i first of all i agree with you i uh, breathing is one of my the techniques I use as my primary mode of uh, releasing uh, stress or moving myself into uh, awareness. Uh, mm -hmm. So absolutely, I completely agree with you. It's it is one of the most powerful uh, adaptive uh, mechan coping mechanisms you can have, and yeah. I I am yet to find a breathing ex or 
breathing to be maladaptive because breathing is something we do anyway <laughs> it's, it's not yeah you, it's like you, it's not like you can well i suppose uh, hyperventilation could be a maladaptive coping mechanism mm. right uh, yeah so yes i i correct myself there there are uh, but conscious breathing uh yes. where, where you are in control of your breath Abs- and you, and you yes. you kind of move into experience the breath uh absolutely absolutely be an adaptive uh, coping mechanism yeah so so i just have this very you know that's my mission of my life that i just from i just want people to do this very simple thing keep your life simple Mm -hmm. just breathe right and breathe consciously just become aware of your breath whatever you are doing in your life build that awareness to your breath whether you are walking cooking running gymming eating as I walk, as I talk to you, working on your laptop, uh, typing those emails, whatever you do, I just want to keep, I know that it has been complex, as you have very well said that, you know, maladaptive practices of hyper, that's okay, once in a while you are doing, that's fine. But if only you build this practice of breathing consciously, you become very much aware of your own emotions. And I have practically seen this from being a person who was you know um, used to get very short tempered from Mm -hmm. being the person becoming aware of my own emotions and you know I I was able to manage my own emotions and you know channelize it um, in a very productive way in a humorous way at times like (laughs) uh, it happens and uh, so this this is just my take on you know about breathing I find because breathing is something we are anyways doing we don't need to carry anything uh, when it comes to breathing it's a very safe uh, process also uh, quite uh, and yeah it helps very well said Fazia it helps in uh, being in the present moment absolutely yeah being in the present moment that's the most most powerful thing and uh, the earlier discussion that you were having with Larry also regarding gratefulness and all that. So that also, in fact, the similar question I have found in my community, also my community member has asked similar question, very well, very similar. So I think if we just drop this expectation, I have found it in my life also. And uh, it helps. It helps big time. Mm-hmm. the more we expect from people the lesser we get that's just my personal you know experience I can say and uh, it has worked beautifully and uh, it's like you go in on your inward journey and uh, you become a magnet and you attract the kind of a behavior you want people to do in fact when you release that want it just comes to you it's like this i would rather reframe it yeah absolutely it's the uh when when you stop focusing and you stop uh forcing the energy then uh, because that that then becomes resistance and you can then if you release that then you allow flow to happen on its own and and you just hold you just hold an intention and I, I think that's actually the key. If you can release expectations and just hold an intention, then you allow that energy to flow quite naturally. Yes, 
yeah and and it's very humorous and you are like in awe of kind of things when start happening to you the unexpected uh, way people start appreciating you that you have never expected all start working the way even you have never expected for you the the kind of you know the pampering or whatever you have maybe seek later before in your life it just start happening to you on its own because somewhere those you know you get into that flow state of mind uh, and it just happened it just happened Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah thank you well, I appreciate that Yukti thank you um, and we just something dawned on me someone wrote uh, Wim Hof here and the uh regarding breathing but yeah again, i'm a big big follower of rim hoffles yeah so, me yeah. too me too it's doesn't help that it's summer now my my shower only goes yeah. down to 17 degrees so <laughs> my cold showers are not really working out but that's a different matter um but the the uh uh yeah just going back we were talking about uh, uh uh, substances uh, and so forth, you know, using uh, weed or alcohol or cigarettes, whatever it is. You know, Wim Hof says, get high on your own supply, right? Your oxygen. It's your breathing. Uh, and I think that is such a, if you're breathing right, then these things release, right? Uh, and also, I heard something on the radio this morning. I listened to the Chris Evans uh, uh, morning show on uh, Virgin Radio here in the UK. And it's oftentimes about mindfulness, meditation, and so forth. Um, very interesting. Uh, but anyway, they were talking about using the breath as a metaphor for life. Because in order to take your next breath, you have to release the previous one. And I thought that was, that was so true, and it was so simple, right? So in order to yeah. take the next breath, you have to exhale and le uh, release that breath. Yeah. Can I add here? Can I yeah. add here? Maybe. Yeah. So I always say you cannot take past breath, nor you can take future breath. No. You can only take this present breath and your breath, your current breath is an anchor to keep you rooted in this very present moment right here, right now. Excellent. So connect Thank your you. breath. That's <laughs> it. It's simple. Connect to your breath. Yeah. I always uh, tell that, you know, I strongly feel and believe and I have seen that, that the power of breathing doesn't lies in any particular breathing technique. That's my personal experience. Huh? Mm. Do not run behind breathing techniques. They are ample. In fact, they are, if you go through James Nestor book, The Breath, he has mentioned in that, love that, love uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That there are as number of uh, breathing technique as there are number of food, right? Yeah. So I also personally feel that instead of running behind breathing techniques, if we just build that connection with our breath and treat our breath as a very good friend of ours, that even in our lowest and the loneliest of the time, we know that we have our breath. We can yeah. just listen to our breath, tune into our breath. And I have felt it deeply that your breath guides you. It leads you. When you allow it to lead you, it guides you to an altogether different world. You, that's something to experience. You get a lot of answers also. And uh, you become fearless and limitless. 
yeah, that, that's all I can say. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank so, you, Yukti. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, we've been uh, going for almost two hours now. So um, thank you for everybody uh, hanging in there and uh, listening into all the beautiful stories that have been shared and uh, you know, paying attention to uh, everybody wanting to share. And, you know, I know we digress, but there's a purpose to all of this. And uh, we were guided to take this uh, detour and uh, absolutely they are reasons for everything so appreciate you all and uh, i look forward to uh, next week for now thank you all for joining us and uh, thank you for bringing your most beautiful highest energy into today's discussion and uh, we'll see you next week take care now for me personally, uh, procrastination is uh, one of my big challenges and it's always interesting discovering all the different coping mechanisms that I employ in order to hide away from the pain and the suffering that is within that procrastination. And oftentimes when I discover one, there is not another one to be revealed. So it is a continuous work that goes on until you've healed every aspect of that core wounding that is manifesting through the, these different ways. If you would like to learn how to explore your own coping mechanisms, then uh, why don't you head over to our website, thealchemyexperience.co.uk, click on the link to schedule a 30-minute free consultation, and we can explore together to see how uh, we might be able to assist you, but also for you to discover if we are the workshop for you to uh, uh, delve into these topics for yourself. For now, I say thank you, and I hope you will join us next week when we release another episode of the Alchemy Experience podcast on Friday at 11.11 11 British time. Have a great time in the meantime. See you then.